At Gontrepreneur, we have heard from dozens of cannabis business owners who have encountered the issue of canna bias, which is when a mainstream business, whether a landlord, bank, or some other provider of vital business services, refuses to do business with them simply because of their association with cannabis. We have even heard stories of businesses being unable to provide health and life insurance for their employees because the insurance providers were too afraid to work with them. We believe that this fear is totally unreasonable and that cannabis business owners deserve access to the same services and resources that other businesses are afforded, that they should be able to hire consultation to help them follow the letter of the law in their business endeavors, and that they should be able to provide employee benefits without needing to compromise on the quality of coverage they can offer. This is why we created the Gondrepreneur.com Business Service Directory, a resource for cannabis professionals to find and connect with service providers who are cannabis friendly and who are actively seeking cannabis industry clients. If you are considering hiring a business consultant, lawyer, accountant, web designer, or any other ancillary service for your business, go to gondrepreneur.com businesses to browse hundreds of agencies, firms, and organizations who support cannabis legalization and who want to help you grow your business. With so many options to choose from in each service category, you will be able to browse company profiles and do research on multiple companies in advance so you can find the provider who is the best fit for your particular need. Our business service directory is intended to be a useful and well-maintained resource, which is why we individually vet each listing that is submitted. If you are a business service provider who wants to work with cannabis clients, you may be a good fit for our service directory. Go to gondrepreneur.com businesses to create your profile and start connecting with cannabis entrepreneurs today. Hey there, I'm your host, T.G. Brandfault, and you are listening to the Gondrepreneur.com podcast, where we try to bring you actionable information and normalize cannabis through the stories of gondrepreneurs, activists, and industry stakeholders. Today, I'm joined by a very close friend of mine. His name's Don Andrews. He's the owner of Vaped City in Scotia and Albany, New York. Uh, he's opening Upstate CBD in Schenectady. Uh, Don opened his first location at 23 years old, his second in Albany three years later. Uh, but shortly after opening his first shop, he was set up by a confidential informant, falsely arrested, although the charges were ultimately dropped. Um, and we'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, now he's working on his next project, which is Upstate CBD, which will focus on CBD products, including CBD flower, uh, one of the first uh, locations in New York to really focus on this sort of thing. How are you doing this afternoon, Don? I'm doing good. Um, so tell me about yourself, man. I know a lot about you. We've spent a lot of time together. Uh, but tell the listeners about you. You know, what's your background? How'd you end up in the cannabis space? So... I was I was I was always big on glass. It's always I was always a uh, cannabis connoisseur, I guess you could say. Um, I used to go to festivals. I mean, I still do. And uh, one day I was at uh, I want to say it was Hemp Fest or Harvest Fest, I believe, in in uh, Socrates, New Socrates, New York. So I went there and uh, met a couple people when I was there. And um couple couple glass blowers at that and they, you know, were giving me information on uh wholesale, wholesale glass and things like that. So, you know, I've always wanted to get into the industry and I always thought it would be cool to open up my own shop one day. So, you know, I went to these these festivals and stuff and I, I linked up with, you know, a bunch of different dudes and who helped me, you know, 
pointed me in the direction I should go. And one day, man, I just, you know, I just did it. I, I went and went on Craigslist, found found a storefront, you know, which was pr- pretty reasonably priced for the area. Uh, met the landlord, spoke with him. You know, he was cool with me, opening up a smoke shop and, and everything else. And uh, I just went for it, man, and I did it. And here I am today. And And what were some of the initial hurdles that you faced, you know, opening up this shop? So... I opened up the shop, you know, everything, you know, everything was cool when I opened up, when I initially opened up the the store in Scotia, um, I was probably in business, I want to say for about a year. And then actually, I want to say less than about six months, you know, into business, there was a petition. And um, it was a petition through the village of Scotia. And they tried to pretty much you know, drive me out of Scotia, you know, saying that, you know, the smoke shop wasn't what they wanted in their community and saying that, you know, my bright lights, which would be my signage is, um, is advertising for kids to, uh, you know, come in and buy glass underage and stuff like that, which wasn't the case. So I had to go, so I had to deal with that. There was that petition. They tried to get me out of there. How did you convince them to to let you stay in business? Um, honestly, man, they that petition, they had to get half of the town to even sign it in order for in order for it to even work. Um, you know, obviously, you know, everybody's for for cannabis, you know, for, you know, the smoke shop for glass and all that stuff like that. So, you know, they didn't even have a quarter of people to sign that, you know, that that petition to drive me out of there. So I, you know, I, I know, but a lot of other people might not know. I mean, there's a lot of smoke shops right. in, in upstate New York in that area. Right. What did you do and what have you done to rise above the other smoke shops in that capital region? Um, one, you know, I try, I try very, very hard to, you know, keep my customers happy and to please them. And, you know, I, I stay stocked up on all the, all the top products you know, I go to these shows that keep me updated with all the products, you know, all the new products that come out every year. So I go to these shows, and, you know, I'm able to stay up to date, you know, with with all this product, you know, so I'm constantly coming in with new product. I'm constantly keeping, you know, my customers happy and I engage with my customers. You know, I have full convos with them. You know, the, the customers are my friends pretty much, you know, saying they come in, they know me, they know me very, very well. And, you know, that's that's just how that happened, man. So I want to talk to you briefly about one of the biggest hurdles that I know you faced going into business. Shortly after opening up that Scotia shop, you were set up by a confidential informant. You were arrested under the suspicion of selling crack, uh, later completely exonerated. This address drew national attention after you were, you were released and the video was released showing the setup. Uh, so let's talk about sort of the initial um, impact on your business. What happened you know, following your arrest at your store? Yeah. So, you know, when all that stuff had went down with me getting arrested and um, actually being, you know, released about a week later, I, you know, I came back down to the Scotia store to check on things and, you know, clean things up. You know, they, they kind of made a mess when they came in. They destroyed my place. And when I was down there, you know, I had I had my my neighbors, which are other business owners. And, you know, they would come in, 
and that you know they they wanted to know you know what the heck was going on so you know i had to explain to them what you know what was going on and you know the case that i you know pr- that i was pretty much set up and they said to me and they go you know it's i'm um, i'm glad you know you you were released and and you didn't do this because you know we we don't want things like that in our community you know which which who 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 does who who wouldn't want anything like that in their community? It was just it was just crazy, you know, that I had to even go through this and I had to pr- present myself, you know, to, you know, to my neighbors, you know, to my community, and I, I had to be the face and be like, yo, like I, I I didn't do that, you know what I'm saying? So that that was one hurdle that I had to jump through, which was you know getting everybody in the community to know that I actually didn't do it, and you know even though they released it saying that I wasn't, that I didn't do it, you know, there was still comments and stuff on the, on the, on the videos and stuff that, you know, went, went national. And, you know, some, there was some negative comments, you know, there was positive comments and, you know, then, then the negative comments, stuff like that, that's stuff that, you know, that can hurt you, you know, in the long run, you know what I'm saying? And you still, if you, if you Google my name and you pop it up, if you Google my full name, that's what pops up. That's, that's what's shown on Google. It, It shows nothing, positive about me you know it's just it's just all how i was set up this that and the third confidential informant you know it was just it, it was just crazy everything that i had to go through but you know luckily i have multiple cameras in my store which you know prove my innocence so and talking about these cameras you were exonerated because of your own security cameras and um you know, as as uh, people who followed the story know, the prosecution, the 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 you know sheriff's office, whomever, they actually didn't want to admit these cameras into evidence. Um, how important is it for your for business owners to have and maintain a working security system in what is seen as a risky industry? Yeah, it is very very important now, it, especially nowadays. Not even you know just just anywhere. You know, you, you need you need cameras at your freaking house, you know, you know, you, you, you never know what can happen, but being a business owner, you know, you definitely need to have cameras. Any, anything can happen, especially being, you know, in the, the, the industry that, that I'm in. Now, do you think that, and I know that there's sort of a lot of layers to this story, um, you know, that you had sort of a, not a history with the CI, but he had known of you and you had known of him. You went to the same school. Um, do you think that you were targeted because of your business in a, in Scotia, which is conservative, small town, um, or because you were a young black entrepreneur who must be doing something illegal? Yes. You know, I, I feel that both of those had a role in what happened, but mainly it was, you know, because of me being the, one of the only black business owners in the village of Scotia and they didn't like that. And, you know, from, from what I hear is Scotia wanted, they, they wanted me out, you know what I'm saying? Schenectady County, they, they, they wanted me out of there. They didn't want to see a young, young black entrepreneur, you know, do, do good. And, you know, and they thought because of this, this uh, skin color that I have, that I was doing something illegal, which, you know, is, is absurd. 
So I want to switch gears. Um, about the time you opened your second shop in Albany, you changed your name from Dab City to Vape City. Um, two questions. Why did you decide to change the name? Uh, and can you describe that rebranding process? You know, how did, how did you make sure that people didn't lose track of you? Yeah, well, um, we started to get heavily into uh, the vape scene. Um, I want to say uh, roughly about 2000. 16 to 2017. So, you know, the, the logo vape city, you know, it's just very, it's very eye catching and it gets, you know, a lot more people to come in who actually don't smoke and who vape. And one of the main reasons why I actually had to change it is because there's another shop based in California and we actually opened up our businesses the literally the same exact time. And um, he had his he had his name trademarked before I trademarked mine. So it was just a long, a long thing that me and him were going back and forth and back and forth. And, you know, I would have had to buy flights and, you know, go out west just to deal with, you know, the legality of things. So, you know, I just decided to actually change the name and actually, you know, it, it, it worked out for the better. And, you know, all, all, all of my customers, like I said, I make friends, I'm good, good friends with all of my customers. I take care of them very, very well. So me changing the name, I don't think was a huge, um, would, would be a huge hit in, in business. Me, me switching the name over. You know, a couple of years after you open your first shop, um, you, you decide to expand. You decide to expand for, you know, to a second shop in Albany proper. Again, a, a, a real sort of tight market, an, an aggressive market. Uh, there's a lot of uh, sort of inundated shops there already that have been there for a long time. Uh, what were your considerations when you decided to expand, you know, to a second shop? And, and what were some of those challenges? You know, Albany and the area that I'm in, it's a huge, uh, it's a huge college town. You know, there's lots of, uh, lots of college students and, um, and just the, uh, the, the area that, that I picked that I chose, you know, it's a, you know, there's a lot of traffic going through the area. There's a, there's a lot of walkers, there's a lot of cars riding by, you know, and especially after five, it gets really, really busy in that area. And, you know, I had to, to, um, I had to go through the city. I had to go through the board. I had to get approved to even open up the store there. And, you know, that was a whole process. Um, and yeah, I also had to keep into in consideration all the other shops that are that are nearby to my Albany location. So, you know, I had to be one step ahead of the game and, you know, have be up to date on all these products and, you know, just have all this stuff on my shelves that these other shops don't have. And something that I know that you you focus on is you don't have any, if at all, uh, imported glass. Um, you know, what is that something that that you feel sets you apart from other shops, or you know, why did why do you have that mindset to keep you know sort of American made glass in your shops as opposed to a lot of those imports that you see? Yeah, I mean, if you go, you you can go to a lot of. There's a lot of shops that you know carry a lot of import glass. You know, you go to gas stations, they carry import glass. You can go to a couple, you know, shops down the street from me which carry import glass. You know, I like to work one on one. You know, with the artist, I'd rather support the artist than you know buy a bunch of uh, import glass. You know, that's not it's not quality stuff that you know people are looking for. And you know me as a smoke shop owner, you know, I'm, I'm putting things on the shelf that 
I would want to walk into a store and see, you know, quality, quality glass, thick, nice things, you know, not not the cheap, thin stuff, you know, that can just break very easily. So and that's what I feel keeps me set apart, too, from the shops as well, because I always have customers coming back telling me how, you know, much how how good my glass is compared to, you know, some of their other pieces that they may have bought at uh, my competitor shops. So now you're entering the cannabis space proper. Um, I'm super proud of you, man. Just just sort of as an aside uh, with the Upstate CBD project. Um, what pushed you in this direction? You know, was it the the federal farm bill that was recently signed that, you know, basically legalized most hemp products throughout the United States? Um, you know, what, what's sort of your thought process? How'd you end up focusing on this now? So. Uh, my one store in Scotia, it's, you know, I had a lot of requests coming in for CBD. And I was also getting a lot of phone calls from uh, distributors who, who sell CBD. And um, so, you know, I, I took on some of those CBD products, you know, that some of these distributors were calling me and sending me. And I put it on the shelf and you know, customers that, you know, customers love it. And, you know, customers come in and they, you know, they say it it relieves their anxiety, relieves their stress. And, you know, some people, some people, uh, they like to smoke, but they don't, you know, when they smoke, it gives them anxiety. So they, the CBD kind of just takes away all of that, all of that feeling from them completely. So, you know, getting into up, getting into the upstate CBD, it was just more or less, you know, me wanting to move forward more into the cannabis industry, you know, and that's kind of a foot in the door, you know, when legalization happens in New York. How are you planning or already managing the risk associated with selling flower products that to many people looks no different from THC rich flower? Right. It looks very, very similar. You know, for instance, like our CBD hemp flower that we carry, you know, it looks just like, you know, regular rich top shelf cannabis. Um, all of, all of the products that we carry are going to have third party lab results and everything is going to, you know, be under that 0.3, that 0.3 limit for the, for the hemp law. So on all of our packaging, we will have all that information on the packaging, you know, that's going to be able to explain what's going on, what's in the product, how much THC is in the product, how much CBD is in the product. And, you know, that's, that's huge, you know, because if you don't have that information on there, people can easily get confused between the two. So, so in a lot of ways, it was customer demand that, that sort of led you to the, the standalone sort of business model. Yes, I would say. Um, is there any sort of concern for you being, you know, sort of your, your history, um, you know, with, with law enforcement, you know, not that you did anything, but, you know, and then, you know, how Scotia was sort of butting heads with you in the beginning. I mean, are you nervous at all that, you know, some regulator is going to come into your shop, not know the difference and you're going to end up, you know, in, in some trouble with this? Yes. And that is, um, you know, that is what I have to uh, prepare myself for. You know, I have to prepare myself for, you know, a regulator coming in being like, okay, this, this, and this isn't the right way. You know, I, I, I have to prepare myself. You know, I've spoken to my lawyers. I have my lawyers on standby and things like that. So, you know, when something like that does happen, 
you know, I have everything ready for and ready to go. So you're you're likely going to have a first mover advantage in New York's nascent CBD market. They, you know, in in Vermont, you're probably familiar. You can buy CBD basically everywhere. They they've had a really uh, sort of bolstered hemp program for a lot of years now. A sort of gray market when it comes to really good CBD. Um, how do you plan on marketing and informing the uninitiated about your product? So people who don't know what CBD is, you know, how are you going to market and inform those people? So, you know, at, at the, at the new location at upstate CBD, um, I'm going to be holding, uh, classes. Um, we'll have classes on all of the product that we carry, and we'll have just, you know, just your basic general classes to inform people on what CBD can do for you. And not only for you, for your pets, you know, it's, it's, it's a great, it's a great thing. And I feel like a lot of people are going to want to come in and get educated on, on CBD. So, and I'm going to be marketing, you know, uh, classes for, uh, for CBD products at my location which I feel like is going to be a hit. So as part of your sort of early thought process here, it seems like it's also community building. Yes. How important has that been to you since you opened your first shop, you know, since you've been, you know, in business? It's very, very important to, um, you know, just to stick with the community. You know, the community kind of leads you, in which way, you know, you should go, you know, the community, if, you know, if it wasn't for the community saying this, saying that it's, it's, it, it, it would be all up in the air. You know what I'm saying? So the community, they let me know and they're like, okay, well, we want CBD. We want this, we want that. You know, there's, there's nothing, nothing in Schenectady that caters to, to CBD products. Like you, you know, you can't go, you, you can't go anywhere. You can't go into a normal shop and be able, you know, get, literally the lowdown on everything about CBD, which I feel is going to put me aside from a lot of, a lot of, uh, uh, different, uh, shops and things like that. How hard have, have you worked to sort of understand the nuances of CBD? You know, what's that sort of journey been like for you? It's been great, man. I've been, ever since I got into CBD, I've been doing nothing but educating myself on the product I've read multiple books on it, multiple books on CBD. Um, I'm actually going to, uh, a couple CBD, uh, expos. Uh, there's some out West, there's some on the East coast, and I'm just starting to get into the expos and stuff like that, which are going to give me a lot more knowledge and things like that, that I can actually bring to upstate CBD and include all that information in my classes and stuff like that to, you know, get everybody up and hip on CBD. So sort of changing gears a little bit, there aren't many minorities at the head of the table uh, in the cannabis space. Um, would you mind offering your perspective on, on this issue? Yeah, I mean, as far as, you know, minorities and being in the in the cannabis industry, at, you know, at the head of the table, um, I feel like, you know, being being a minority is tough, you know, to to even, you know, to. To, to do things, you know, properly in the, with anything, you know, not even just the, not even just in the cannabis industry, you know, with any business, you know, it, 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 it's a little bit harder just, you know, by the way, 
were looked at and judged, you know, so, you know, being uh, a minority in it, you know, I, you know, I kind of, I kind of just put all that to the side, man. And I kind of just keep pushing forward and I just keep thriving, man. I just keep doing it. Um, in some legal states, uh, they've set up what are called social equity programs. They're designed to provide sort of reparations for individuals and communities that have been impacted most by the war on drugs. Uh, one of New York's legalization bill, the one that's uh, probably going to be voted on, introduced in the House, voted on in the, or introduced in the Senate, voted on in the Senate, includes an equity and incubator program, basically saying that we're going to, you know, set up a business incubator for minority led businesses. Um, I know you pretty well, you know, you're, you're, uh, you're not an active advocate, if you will. Um, But would you advocate for some of these licenses in the cannabis industry uh, to be set aside for these communities and individuals? Yes. Most definitely. I would love, I would love to. Um, what advice do you have for young entrepreneurs, uh, looking to enter this space? And maybe if you wanted to speak, you know, to some of the, the minority entrepreneurs, um, you know, you, you can offer very distinct perspective. Yeah. You know, being, you know, one, being a minority coming in, coming into the business, you know, you also, you have to, you kind of got, you kind of got to look at it as, you know, something, something could happen, you know, just for being, being, being a minority. People look at you differently. People judge you differently. And, you know, just, just being an entrepreneur in general, you know, you, you have to, you, you, you have to strive. You got to push forward. You got to, you got to keep going and you can, you, you know, you know, you, you can't look back. You know, I've been shot down multiple times, you know, one, one with this setup, you know, I was, when I got set up, you know, I was like, I'm done. You know, I said, I'm done. I was going to pack up my, my shit. And I was just, I was going to be done, you know, but then I, I kept pushing forward and I kept going and I kept going. And, you know, this, this is where I'm at today. You know, just don't stop, keep going. Um, again, man, you know, I, I said it earlier, you know, we've been friends, friends for a while, you know, I, I had an inside sort of look at, at, you know, from, from the moment that you put slot shelves up on your wall, um, you know, through the arrest and through this Albany opening and now through this upstate CBD opening, uh, you know, which isn't open yet, but it's coming, you know, I'm super proud of you, man. I'm, I'm really you know, thankful that, uh, I do know you. I'm thankful that you, you know, came on the show and, and, you know, were able to talk to me about some of these things. Cause I know, you know, that, that you're, you're a very sort of humble private human being. Um, you know, so, so your, your perspective on the show is, is really appreciated. Yeah, man, definitely. Definitely. Where can people find out more about uh, you, you know, without Googling your name and, and getting <laughs> your mugshot? Where can they find out more about, you know, uh, Vape City and uh, Upstate CBD? Um, I'm currently working on a website for Upstate CBD. Um, I don't have a website or anything like that for my smoke shops. You know, I do have a Facebook. I do have an Instagram. You can follow me on Instagram at Vape City. And you can also follow me on Facebook at Vape City and same for Upstate CBD, you can just Upstate CBD for uh, Instagram and for Facebook. And then I will have uh, links in my bio for the websites, you know, once the websites are up and running. Well, Don, man, I really, again, I really appreciate you coming on the show and, and sort of giving me your insight. And, uh, you know, we'll have to uh, talk again once Upstate CBD opens. Maybe I'll actually come to the shop and we'll we'll do a podcast from there. Yeah, man, definitely sounds great. I appreciate you, Tim, for having me on the show, man. Thanks again.
You can find more episodes of the Gontrepreneur.com podcast in the podcast section of Gontrepreneur.com and in the Apple iTunes store. On the Gontrepreneur.com website, you will find the latest cannabis news and cannabis jobs updated daily, along with transcripts of this podcast. You can also download the Gontrepreneur.com app in iTunes and Google Play. This episode was engineered by Trim Media House. I've been your host, T.G. Brandfault. Thank you.